Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I am here today with Pastor Rob Nash from Sawyer Highlands and Converge, right? That's right. Converge. Yeah. I always forget Converge. Yeah. So um, there might be fewer uh, 90s pop culture references than usual. I don't know what what you're into. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe they'll be just as much. Um, but thank you for joining us. This you is your, what is your third time on the podcast? This is a, a, at least my second time. Second time in it person. Be, I know that. Yeah. I think we might have done a, a voice uh, uh, telephone call once. I'm but... a big fan. <laughs> so... Um, as you as you'll see, if you're uh, watching our live stream, or you'll you'll hear a lack thereof. Uh, Rich is not here today. He is uh, taking some well deserved time off, which is really isn't time off. He's he's working on the farm, so uh, I don't think he can stop working. But <laughs> today it is me, so I will do my best to keep us within a reasonable time here. Um, but I am with, like I said, Pastor Rob Nash, and he's not just here for fun. Um, he, Although it is, fun. Oh, it's fun. It's a great it time. Is, yeah. Um, uh, you wrote a book, I did and it's your book. second book. Yep, I wrote a book. That's uh, really impressive. <laughs> so. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah, it so, just to get started? So this is the book. It's uh, This is the proof copy, so it's got a line through it. But it's Words of the Resurrected. Mm -hmm. I had written a previous book, and I was on the podcast a couple years ago yeah. about the last words of Christ, the words that he spoke on the cross. Right. So he spoke seven times. Well, I, I had such a fun time. I wanted to explore <laughs> um, what he said after he rose from the dead. Okay. And so I wrote a book uh, covering those uh, between the Easter and when he ascended into heaven. Nice. Because when you, I, I kind of looked at your uh, Facebook page after we, after we had decided we were going to do this, and I thought I saw somebody. I don't want to say they were arguing with you, but they said there are no words of the resurrection or something well, like that. They were they were making a point that he resurrected himself, right? So it, it, it was not a passive thing, and right? So, and then and I was like, Ooh, X, so I'm interested in hearing about. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> well, good. That's so. First of all. Kudos to you for writing two books because, as as we were talking about earlier, I'm a writer. You are um, a writer, yeah. Uh, but they're very, two very different yeah. things. I write for other people, so I, I have a huge, uh, a lot of. I give you a lot of credit for doing that. Oh, so, um, so was it? You said you had fun writing your first book, but what was it that pulled you to, to in this direction to write? I had so much fun writing it the first time because there's a there's an ability probably like with Rich in, in preaching mm -hmm. just for creativity mm -hmm. and then there's a devotional aspect too uh, so you're studying the word and trying to figure out what is it saying so you understand it correctly and then how does this impact my life mm -hmm. so I had the I had the, the the lovely opportunity before in the early morning hours that's usually when I work on uh, writing I. Uh, would put together, you know, my thoughts and try to work through it. And then they just, I keep refining it and refining it and refining it and refining it and refining it. The other aspect that was kind of fun is to, to, to illustrate this with like personal stories. Sure. So I went back into my old, my, my childhood, I'm talking to, um, you know, my siblings and family members and, and, ex and remembering things that I've forgotten or not thought about for years. And so mm -hmm. that was, that was really fun to try to, try to connect my my life with the text so that I can help other people to connect their lives with the text too. That's interesting because I think anything kind of surrounding the Easter narrative, we all feel like we know, mm -hmm. but there's still so much more to know and dig into. So hearing from family members and digging into your past, you kind of it's have these very similar yeah. ideas, but that's cool that you're diving deeper into it. So yeah. were you surprised by anything then that you researched or, or learned from others along this writing journey? 
you know, I, I maybe a more of a surprise with some of the illustrations weren't personal and I went more historical. Mm -hmm. And so I, I in one chapter, um, I explore Miss Violet, Miss Violet as the color, Fane, um, her uh, story, her biography. And there's a saying, good things come to those who wait. You, oh, yeah. The Heinz 57 ketchup kind of commercial. Well, it, it was from a poem that she had written. And so I got to learn a little bit about her life. And so that was interesting. A little, a little tragic uh, uh, life, but it was, uh, it, it was interesting to find the origin of that and then connecting that to uh, the disciples had to wait. They had to sure. deal with, you know, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for the, you're going to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And how do, and then thinking through, how do we deal with the times that we have to wait? Uh, she, she had the, she was, uh, had the struggle with, you know, not having someone uh, to, you know, to love her. And so she, she wrote poetry and she, she struggled with emotions and, and uh, waiting in her life. And I think we all have different struggles of, you know, like, how do we deal with waiting? And mm -hmm. so to connect with the text and the disciples and their waiting, and then to connect with our lives, it was, uh, it was a little eye opening. I, each chapter, I, there is, there's something there for me to explore and unpack and, and then try to connect the dots between what it said 2000 years ago and what right. it says to my life today. And yeah, it was, is that, is that poem in the book? Uh, that part of it, I, okay. I quote that part of it in the beginning of uh, chapter eight or nine. Okay, because that mm -hmm. sounds tragic. I'd like to read it. Um, so what we know of, of Jesus after he, he came back and who he spoke to, we, we've heard those stories, but do you dive deeper into those characters and what they might have been thinking or realizing yeah. at that time? Yeah, so my favorite exploration is uh, Thomas. Mm -hmm. So we talk about a doubting Thomas. Right. So we're, I think we're familiar with, oh yeah, he's doubting Thomas. Right. Well, John actually talks about Thomas quite a bit, and he's not so skeptical. In fact, he's quite bold, audacious, courageous. Uh, there's a time uh, in, uh, when I think it's uh, Lazarus has died, but Jesus has to go towards Jerusalem, and then Mary and Martha are you know, communicating he's sick, and Jesus is like, is intent on going there. And the disciples put up a... a a warning. Hey, don't, we don't, we don't want to go there because we shouldn't go there because of the danger. Are you sure you want to go there? And Jesus is like, we're going to go there. And, and Thomas is saying, you know, I want to, I'm going to go there and die with you. Mm -hmm. um, it's just this bold assertion of he's going to follow him. And, and Jesus helps him to understand that this is, he's actually not going there in this instance um, uh, in that way to die on the cross. This is actually to raise Lazarus from the dead and um, and that's what he does. And, and you hear that in John 14, six, I'm the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the father, but through me. So that verse is part of Thomas's interaction with Jesus. And so you see in Thomas, or at least I learned in Thomas, as I'm looking at this, he's much more complex. There's part of him that's very faithful, you know, courageous, bold. And there's another part that, um, it just struggles. You know, he's like, all his friends are saying, Hey, we saw him well, I'm, unless I put my hands in his hands and put my hands in his side. I'm not going to believe. Right. And, 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 he, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's all of them leave. They abandon Jesus. Right. And so the character of Thomas really came to life for me. It was really fun to explore him and at, through John. And then uh, even beyond looking at um, some of the historical documents we do have about Thomas's life. Now, is each chapter in the book a, a different character that Jesus? Yeah. How, how I structure it. There's there's 10 chapters. Okay. 
we have documented in scripture, I think something like 12 encounters with Christ. Okay. Um, and I think we, we know maybe one or two, like the Doubting Thomas, perhaps. Right. Or Mary. Uh, Mary, it's another very familiar one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we know all, of, we don't, we're not familiar with all of them. So right. I wanted to look at each of them through a chronological order. And uh, we only have nine where he, Jesus is saying something, we have his words. Okay. So I have nine chapters, nine encounters with Christ. Um, and so I reflect on each one and they each, I think, offer a little different um, understanding of what Christ uh, says to us. And so it can encourage us in a little different way. But it's all unified, too. Um, it's the story of Christ. It's interesting. You see a theme, I think, of going and sharing and spreading what Christ has given us. So, as I said, Mary, that's kind of the one that I've been most familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will will. That'll be the first thing that come to mind. Why do you think that's so significant? His, his interaction with Mary after I, I like that one. That's the first one. Yeah. And as it should be. <laughs> you know, what, what's yeah you know, chronologically it should right. be. Uh, but what's what's interesting is I, I think the Bible sometimes gets a bad rap for um, not treating or Christianity not treating women mm. as equal in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Well, Scripture is really clear that men and women are created in the image of God and have equal dignity. Um, and, uh, and so here, who's the first person that Christ reveals himself to? It's not Mary, his mom, it's Mary Magdalene, right. someone who's been forgiven much. And it's, it's awesome. She is weeping. She, 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 she doesn't even recognize that who he is, maybe because the tears are just welling up in her eyes, or, you know, it could be the silhouette effect where he's in the doorway of the tomb and it's light behind him and she can't quite make him out. It's not, she's not anticipating Jesus to rise from the dead. Sure. No one is. Right. But Jesus comforts her. Um, he, he calls her by name, and it's just a sweet comfort. Um, and, and so I think through his interaction with Mary, we see the dignity and worth of all men and women. And we also can hear comfort, I think, in Christ's words to her as in words to us as well. So, you know, we, we have different you know, ups and downs, hills and valleys that we struggle with and um, work our lives through. And so here's an example where, you know, maybe someone's really going through a rough time. Sure. Well, here Christ comforts this person. And I think that same comfort he offers to all who will receive it. Sure. So there's, there's a couple different things going on there. He also sends her out, you know, to tell the others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, lo- I love that too, that she's an evangelist. She's a communicator, a witness of the, the faith there right in the beginning. And, you know, we see Mary Magdalene often, often or she's kind of stereotyped, I want to say, is, is this, I won't use any negative words here, but you know, you know what she's stereotyped as often. So yeah. for, to see ourselves in that light, as yeah. you said, that I think that's There's a huge. redemptive kind of value sure. there. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the people in the scriptures, you'll see there's the, there's their past mm-hmm. and then there's 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 hope and there's uh, a, a hope in Christ and a future in Christ that we have and our identity in Christ where we're a new creation because of says, the resurrection because of the resurrection because of of Christ yeah right. and then you were speaking about women Jesus went to see he, he appeared to several other women after that yeah so in yeah you have the next encounter you have them all Mary's mentioned there mm-hmm. and he he appears to them they had talked to the angel they had seen the angel this angel and they said he'd risen. Mm-hmm. And then they interact with Jesus himself. And there's this, there's a fear. So when you encounter the supernatural, sure. when we encounter the supernatural, uh, it can be frightening. Um, it is otherworldly. 
But there's also this other aspect. They worship. There's this, there's this word. They are worshiping him. And so here, not just once, but many times, th- these are women who Jesus is meeting for the first time. Mm-hmm. He could have met anyone. And he tells them, go to the disciples. Mm-hmm. And so there's this affirmation of the dignity and worth of women in the, made in the image of God. Um, there's the redemptive piece that you already mentioned. And um, and then there's this, how they respond is just, I think it is a beautiful thing. There's this fear, but there's a, a worship and a, and, a, and a comfort to their fear as well. So, And speaking beyond that, the disciples, that's kind of, I feel like the next big thing that we know that Jesus appeared to, to the disciples after he was resurrected and yeah. in that upper room. Yeah. <laughs> You see, I've, I think we've all seen movies that depict that or TV shows that depict that. But why is why is that so significant? Why, what did you mm-hmm. get about that? <laughs> well, so there, there's a, there's an interaction um, a little bit before that one okay. where he goes, he meets these guys on the way to Emmaus. Sure. And there's a disciple, it was a disciple and another an unnamed disciple and a guy named Cleopas. And they had said that those women had actually already been back there. Okay. And what they said was an idle tale. They didn't believe the women. So women, they're they're taking a risk when they're sharing their faith about what they've seen. And they're just doing it out of obedience, no matter what the, the reaction is. And the reaction wasn't possible. They didn't right, believe them. Right. So these disciples, they actually encounter Jesus. They run back and they're coming back and they're telling, hey, we saw Jesus. Well, the, the, the room's locked. They locked that door. Why would they do that? Well, they had just seen their master, their Lord, their teacher crucified. They're scared. <laughs> you know, I think they're scared. Yeah. Um, uh, they're terrified. They've locked this upper room. It's it's their select small band of, of, of men, women maybe, and they're up there and all of a sudden Jesus appears. And we don't know whether he he kind of came through the walls. He certainly can do miraculous things. He's You're going to hear um, as we go through these accounts, he knows things that no one should know. Right. Um, so could he go through a wall? He could go through a wall. But we also see he um, he eats a f- he eats fish, mm-hmm. and there's this um, a clear sign that he is not a ghost, and that's one of the messages. He is he is not an apparition. He's not an angel. He is Christ risen from the dead, and so he meets them and shares with them what he shared with the men on the way to Emmaus. He shares with them the scriptures where it says that he will die and rise. Mm-hmm. And the first, the first thing he says to them, he says, peace. And he says it again. And whenever you see in the Bible where it says it, it uh, multiple times, I think it's a, 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 an opportunity for, for us to take note. Pay like, attention this is, here, right? This is important. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so why are they needing to hear that? Why is the door locked? I think they're one and the same. I think there is some anxiety about, okay, what's next? Uh, Jesus said earlier, you know, what they're going to do to me, um, they'll do to to you, to my followers. Right. And he didn't necessarily spell out what that meant. He alluded to it. But I think naturally in our minds, if they did this to our leader mm-hmm. and I'm identified with this leader, what's that going to mean for my livelihood? What's that going to mean for my safety? What's that going to mean for my my future? And so they're blocked the doors and he says, peace. Mm-hmm. And I think he, 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 is, he is comforting them just like he comforted the women. He's giving them exactly what they need. And I think there's points in our lives where that's the thing we need. Sure. We need peace. We live in an anxious world. And so um, we can hear again, we can hear his words to his disciples as as disciples ourselves. He speaks peace to us and and wants to have this, this relationship with us where we go to him for that peace and not other things. 
And then he gives he gives them a mission um, and he, he gives them further instruction there to go to Galilee is the is one of the next things that they are to do. And they have a mission of forgiveness as well. Now, it's interesting to think about that because we know that most of the disciples were, were martyred or had yeah, very gruesome right, deaths. Right. Um, so do you think in that sense that Jesus's appearance to them uh, after his death and saying peace, obviously it fills them with with hope and confidence. But when when you see that, the despite that they knew the risks of what following him and preaching about him would do, how can you not at that point after what you've seen and experienced, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, seeing a risen person from <laughs> We've the never dead, seen it, right? I mean, like you're, you're, he conquered the death and the grave. Right. I think that gave them huge amounts of courage and boldness. Right. Uh, there's one thing they don't have though, at this point, And I think is going to be a huge, uh, you know, life altering, you know, game changing element is this Holy spirit. They don't mm -hmm. have the Holy spirit yet. The Holy Spirit comes on in um, Acts uh, chapter two, I want to say, um, uh, in Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And so it's that point where uh, where they're going to have the power, which is really cool that we have. And, and Paul says in Philippians, that same power that raised him from the dead uh, is at work in us. And so uh, what's great is we are all on a level field here. These are humans that uh, Jesus chose to follow him. And he invites us as fellow humans uh, made in the image of God to follow him as well. And so um, we can hear this as well. I think I think seeing the resurrection, seeing, you know, seeing Christ, encountering him, hearing those words uh, made a huge difference in their lives. Sure. Um, and it was big enough that the, that the apostles said, hey, we're going to write this and disciples. We're going to write this down so that others can be encouraged as well. Right. Uh, you mentioned that Jesus then goes to the Sea of Galilee with the disciples, mm -hmm. and he has an interaction there with Peter. Right. Why right. is that so significant? You know, that one's interesting, you know, because Peter had, if you remember, he denied Christ three right. times. And so the, the, there's all these little parallels, these hidden parallels in that story where Peter had walked on water. He runs on water here. Uh, there was a fire that Peter, uh, Jesus was warming himself up by the fire, cooking some fish. And the last time we saw fire in the story of John, uh, Peter's denying Christ. Um, there is uh, there is Peter uh, who denied him three times. Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Mm -hmm. Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter gets more and more, seems like, uh, distraught about it. He said, of course I love you. And then he ends, he's, he, he's like, he, with this um, attribution of who God is, of who Jesus is. And he, you're God, you know whether I love you or not, is kind of how he ends it. And there's this, it, it, I, what I see is significant here is there's a beautiful restoration of ministry. If you love me, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And that's what Peter does. Peter goes off. Uh, he, he goes off and he becomes um, a huge central figure in Acts. Mm -hmm. And we have three books or three letters written by him, First Peter, Second Peter, Third Peter. And we see him uh, encouraging other people people who are shepherding other people to, to care for the church. And, and so Peter, I think, goes from a timid person who is denying the faith three times to one who's a forgiven person to one who, as we know in tradition, and you said these, these apostles end up, most of them end up dying for their faith. Peter is crucified for his faith, we know from tradition in Rome. And, uh, and I, I don't think he could, could have done that without 
understanding the Holy Spirit uh, being forgiven by Christ and having this encounter um, at, at the Sea of Galilee. What I'm kind of getting from from what we've talked about in these characters so far, and it's fitting for this podcast because the slogan we like to use for the podcast is connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. And so much of what we read is is us today. I mean, it can oh, completely reflect us right. today. Yeah. And we we know all these characters and we've, we've read these things before, but you're, it seems like you're diving a little deeper into it how that can relate to us today. Like right, exactly. there's somebody out there who is Peter <laughs> reading this. Right. And there's somebody out there who feels like Mary reading this. Um, or Thomas who's right, doubting. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting to dive deeper into those. Um, so from the Sea of Galilee, then another uh, uh, familiar area that he goes to is the mountain. Right. Galilee. That's probably the one that I think I think of the most. Okay. You know, maybe Mary or you know, Downing Thomas. But, or maybe Pete, as a woman, I think of Mary. <laughs> I think that's really normal and it's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Um, so we kind of, we latch onto one. Sure. That one, you know, evangelism missions, that's a that's a driving passage. Um, uh, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Mm-hmm. Go therefore and baptize uh, and, um, people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Uh he, he gives this great, we call it the Great Commission, mm-hmm. and we're, we're really familiar with that. Um, and I think what's neat is to see this thread of going throughout it. Yeah. And so I explore in that chapter um, the authority of Christ, um, the the mission of, of Christ to the disciples, um, uh, this going and teaching, going and baptizing, um, and then this this witness. So he didn't. Christ didn't give us this message and then just abandon us. Right. Even though he ascends, the Holy Spirit is Christ's presence with us uh, today. And so there's a, there's a comfort there, I think. You know, you talk about different people and where right. we're at. Right. Um, there's a lot of loneliness. And Absolutely. so how do we deal with loneliness or maybe it's listlessness? I don't know what my mission or purpose is in life. Well, here you have a very clear purpose that I don't think stops at the, the apostles. Sure. He, they're supposed to make a disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. There's no... There's no literal way they could have done that. These right. 11 guys. Right. Um, and we know they didn't do that. And so what does that mean for the church? The church has inherited this mission. This mission of the church is to spread this great news about what Jesus has done. He has brought the kingdom of heaven to us uh, in himself. And we can have rec- a right relationship um, and forgiveness of sins and a hope for everlasting. Um, and so it's just the beautiful message of Christ is something that the apostles then they, they actually apply this teaching and they go out and you you see through tradition and through the impact of Christianity today is it's uh, their obedience has led to uh, millions and millions and millions of people knowing um, Christ um, as you know, the generations continue this mission. What's interesting about that. And, and several times before Jesus is crucified, he'll, whether he's preaching or performing a miracle, he'll either sometimes tell people to go and tell everyone or he'll say, don't tell anyone. And yeah. there's a, there's a yeah. time where he tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem right? instead of, you know, going out and telling everyone. Why do you think that those those different contrasts exist, especially after the, the resurrection? Right. Because you have this go. Right. And then wait. And, then, then they wait. <laughs> right. and, and it doesn't seem like they're, they're, they were missing something right. sometimes. And I think that the significance, um, one, one piece of significance, I, I think, for, for us is, is we have, have a, a places where we have to wait as well. We're not, we're not always going to be going. There's sometimes where we have to wait, waiting in line. I had to wait in line. Right. How, do you, how do you deal with waiting? 
I think that's a really hard thing for us as Americans. And so I, I explore that. I mean, there is something I think with the, the festivals and the, the time where Pentecost is coming, it's actually a Jewish holiday. And so there's a, there's a, a timing for the Holy Spirit to come. And so there's the one practical thing of waiting, but also waiting for the, for the spirit, the spirit of God to come and the spirit of God did come and came in power. And we see through acts, all the different ways that the Holy spirit has come. And so I think it's, it, it gave me an opportunity to explore a little bit. Where's the Holy spirit is sometimes we see, okay, right now there's something big revival happening. That's where the Holy spirit is. Well, the Holy spirit is actually present within every believer mm-hmm. and it's, it's there in the fruit of the spirit. So if I am, loving, patient, kind, gentle, um, self-controlled. Like if that's, if that's a real godly trait, that's a God trait, the trait of the Holy Spirit in us. And that's exciting. That was possible, made possible uh, in their waiting as they, as, for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, those gifts of just the fruit of the Spirit um, filled them and, um, and can continue to fill us um, as we wait for the Lord uh, to um, and seek the Lord and 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 and, and pursue the Lord. Uh, so I, I I deal with waiting in Jerusalem, and then I also think of the Spirit waiting for that Spirit to come as well. Sure. Do you touch uh, in the book on Him ascending into heaven? Jesus ascending into heaven. So He ascends into heaven. That's the last thing we see Him do. Right. And he says in Luke, uh, he it says he blessed them. Mm-hmm. And there's something about being blessed. He, he, he talks about us as blessed when he talks to Thomas. Blessed are those who do not, who believe and do not see. Uh, but here that he blesses them as well and tells them about the kingdom and um, and their their ministry. And so uh, I, I touch on that. Uh, it is definitely, it's kind of like that touchstone where you see him going and the disciples are wondering what's happening. Right. And the angels say, that's well, not something you see every day. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to come back as he, as you saw him leave, he's going to come back that same way. And I leave it, I leave it at that, um, in the end of the book. And then I, uh, we do see the next chapter, chapter 10. What, what how do they respond? Mm-hmm. How do they respond? They go back to Jerusalem. What are they doing? It's what the women did. They're worshiping, they're praising the Lord. And so I challenge the readers in chapter 10 um, to worship the Lord. And one of the things that I think um, people are so gifted and talented. Um, you said you write, um, you know, Rich Farms uh, and, and, and speaks, and he's a great speaker. And speaks and, and speaks, speaks and speaks. And speaks. <laughs> um, there's just so many, so many people are talented with so many different things. We can worship God through those things. Yeah. And so whether it's writing, maybe, maybe you do like to write poetry or maybe, you know, maybe Rich and and cultivating, um, there's there's an element of worship. Uh, so uh, I, I challenge the the readers to connect with this text and uh, joining the apostles two thousand years ago, who saw the resurrection, who saw the ascension, and then worship the Lord. And 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 I challenge them to take some time to worship the Lord as well. Real quick, because we only have a couple minutes left, but um, obviously when you're writing a book, I mean, I know you've been a pastor for a while, you've got this background, you've got the education, but when you're writing anything, you're going to do your research and dig deeper than, you know, what's beyond the surface level. So how did, how did, what's the thing that you got most out of this, uh, whether your research or the writing itself, Mm -hmm. how did this resonate with you in a way that maybe you didn't initially expect? You know, I, I think maybe I, sh- I kind of expect it or should expect it, but I, f- I think the connection with the text and the Lord uh, just really was uh, a benefit for me. 
like to be in the word and to be studying it and to think through it. And then to, how does this connect and relate to me? Um, so really thinking about what we're imagining, let's, let's imagine, and maybe, you know, we use video like the chosen or some kind of, uh, you know, book to help us understand that. But I think we can just read the text and kind of just picture ourselves. What was it like to be Mary? What was it like to be, um, Joanna who's with them, um, in that next encounter or, or Cleopas on the way to Emmaus or Peter, you know, after denying Jesus, how, how to be like to, to look at Jesus in the eyes after him knowing you did that and then to hear him say what he said, you know, it's just really the imaginative um, immersion that I, and that journey of just kind of really getting into it. I think that's, that was refreshing to me. It's, it, it, it didn't get old and I, um, I really benefited from that. Awesome. Well, I, now I only have one minute. <laughs> Real quick, um, I will put links in the description as to where everybody can find Rob and find his information. Not find you personally, but <laughs> where can people uh, pick up the book? Um, for sure, it's on Amazon. Okay. Uh, I got a Kindle version and, and the hardcover version. Uh, I'm working on the paperback version right now. Okay. Uh, it, for some reason, it says my name. It, I'm, not, I'm spelling my name wrong. And oh, I, well. I thought I knew how to spell my name. <laughs> So Things we're working on that. So hopefully the paperback version will be up. It's on Amazon.com. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be in other places as well, expanded okay. um, availability, but I don't know. Uh, I know for sure on Amazon.com okay. so and my website, uh, robertjnash.com. Okay. And we'll put that in the link or the description as well. And for our listeners, you've been gracious enough to give a, a free chapter. So I will post that as well. So you guys can enjoy that. And Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, again. Stacey. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next time.